Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, a podcast presenting the very best panels pertaining to RPG design and publishing. This has been made possible by Double Exposure and their leading game design convention, Metatopia. Now to the show! Episode 52. Work together and keep your friends. Healthy Publishing Collaboration. Recorded at Metatopia 2014. Presented by Joshua A.C. Newman, Epidiah Ravishal, and Hannah Schaefer. Uh, I am Hannah Schaefer, and uh, I made a game called Questlandia, which came out recently. It was my first published game. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be talking about collaborating with your friends and not hating your friends in the process. I don't, what was the official title? I don't remember. So, something like that. So, um, so, yeah, do you guys want to introduce yourself? Sure, you looking at me. We like each other. Anyway, uh, <laughs> is it because we don't collaborate? <laughs> Are you guys using the projector? No, no, no. no. Put some lights on for you. That oh, would be that awesome. Would be oh. Oh. Um, it'll show off my lap lines. So. <laughs> Ooh, okay. That is. Well, I, I've got a lot of lights. Now they can hear you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm Epidiah Ravishal. I've uh, written several games. Um, with this group here, there's uh, we have a. I don't know if we want to talk about this. Um, we have a place in um, Massachusetts that's sort of a uh, office space that we can share. It's a community center that we work together in. And uh, I've worked with them and collaborated in that context in a good way. And I have some experiences about poor collaboration that I can, uh, I guess, stand as a cautionary tale in this discussion. <laughs> One of the other. Uh, I'm Joshua A. Sinderman. I design shock social science fiction and human contact and the uh, giant robot Lego tactical fighting game over Frank Zero. Uh, I work with these guys in the Albright Creative Co op. Uh, and I have really rigid rules that I use for collaboration, uh, both within our co op and uh, and what's uh, so uh, we wanted to start out by kind of getting a, an assessment of if people in the audience were um, there's sort of there's like two levels of collaboration. There's collaborating uh, socially with friends, like asking your friends to be a part of a playtest uh, or to run your game, and then there's professional level collaboration where you're actually going to be paying your friends. Uh, in whether it's in hugs or candy or in real human dollars. Um, so just to get a quick uh, assessment of what people are working on, are people like collaborating with friends uh, casually, like playtesting, or they can raise your hand. Okay. Uh, and how many people are interested in learning about like collaborating on a professional level? Okay, great. Um, so should we start off talking about one to the other, or? Yeah, yeah. you guys want to? Yes. <laughs> All right, so um, there's a thing about playtesting. So like, I saw like four people are, are like getting input from friends. Is that, is that the, the gist? Like, I have, I have something I designed and anything. Right. That stuff's like really, really valuable. 
but the like I always have to lay down these ground rules. I say, here's a part, I don't don't critique this part. This is a premise, it doesn't matter if you like it, if you don't like it, it means you're not the market for this game. What I need to know is does this resolution system work? Um, when you do something, do you get a uh, what you know what what is the, the what kind of results are you getting? And I actually ask really specifically, I say, all right, I need to know what you saw going on, what your observations were. And sometimes it can be, sometimes somebody will be like, this is a board game, it's a, you know, it's a triangle with 19 squares, 19 triangles to a side, and everybody gets a, you know, two different kinds of pieces, whatever. And we roll some dice. And then I say, what were your observations? Uh, I'm sorry, that was, that was, that was your observations. Then I, then I say, um, uh, what were your strategies? What did you decide was the best thing to do? Uh, and then what are your questions? Because I probably, especially if it's early, I'm making assumptions about what people understand. And that's all that I care about. If somebody says, well, I don't really care about thematic science fiction, then I made a mistake in asking them to play tests like you. But, um, because that's what most of my stuff is about. Uh, they, can, they might still give good input. Like, I don't understand how this diet mechanic works, which is good input. It means I look at this and say, okay, this person had a hard time with it. If nobody else did, that's cool. If somebody else did, all right, maybe I need to figure out how to explain it, or maybe it's too complicated, or maybe it doesn't do what I expect it to do, especially if somebody, if somebody can't understand it, they can't understand how to interact. So I, I ask those really specific questions of uh, my playtesters, and they'll often give other stuff, like whether or not they liked it, and like maybe I can put that in, but that's sort of the commentary at the end. I don't care if they liked it. Uh, I care if they liked it if they're the person I'm writing. But most of the time, like a raw opinion, like, probably didn't like it because it's not done, forgot to tell you about the cool part, and so forth. Like, that, that, that's, it's not very good in, input, but the, those specific three questions about what did you observe, what did you do, and what are your questions um, have generated really, really good input back from And they're your friends, and they want to tell you that everything is great, so if you ask those, those are pretty objective questions. And if you ask a probing question, they might actually give you a really honest answer. Uh, I mean, I think that working with your friends at like sort of a casual playtest level is also really good practice for what it will look like to work with friends on a professional level uh, because it requires to get good advice from them and to get what you need requires learning how to ask really specific questions uh, and sometimes also how to set boundaries. Um, so, uh, you know, like, you know, you have a friend who's going to critique the spelling and you're in an alpha playtest and you've never run this game before, it might be worth making up a list where you sort of like find the things that you do and don't want and to say, you know, like, this is not, like, I'm not working on grammar. I don't even know if the first turn of this game will work. Um, and that's like, that's almost like writing a practice mini contract. Um, and it's just, it's really good practice to be able to say those things early on because then later you're going to be able to better say, like, how should we divide up percentages? Um, and talk about other questions around money. Um, but yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. no. um, uh, well, uh, the harder questions, I don't want to go into Yeah, harder questions about money. <laughs> Um, no, but the boundary thing is very important. Uh, I think that uh, learning to establish and respect boundaries and also to know um, uh, if you are, because the other side of the collaboration isn't just like I'm coming to you guys with the game. It's 
but it's also me sitting there uh, helping you guys with your game and uh, knowing my own um, uh, personal situation. Uh, like if you come to me with a game that, like Joshua used the example of like maybe I hate sci-fi, which I I, I do. Uh, no, 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 uh, I don't know. But like Joshua comes to me with a game that isn't my cup of tea, uh, then I, I want to make sure that Joshua knows ahead of time where that might not be my my cup of tea. But also I want um, to be aware that my what part of my feedback is helpful and what part of it is just me saying I'm really grumpy about this thing. Uh, I, I, I I don't like. This or that. Uh, I don't like games. Yeah. <laughs> I don't enjoy fun. Yeah, something, uh, something interesting that I noticed when I was playtesting my game that some of my friends were doing was that I was getting really bizarre feedback from some of them. Like, this part might be unclear. And I was like, well, to you or to who? Uh, and I noticed that they were trying to play not as themselves, but as somebody like, well, I approach this game as if I have never heard of a role-playing game before, um, which I was playtesting with people who had never played role-playing games before, and like, they're the only ones who can give me the true and honest feedback about their experience of the game. Um, so I was surprised that I had to also ask my friends, like, no, no, I'm asking you to play this as yourself, not like, not as some to play as a character. character. Um, <laughs> So, you know, was it clear or unclear to you? Maybe my friends are weird. Um, I, I, can, can I ask you guys who are doing this kind of thing, what, what do you do when you're playtesting? I mean, do you, do you, what, what are the questions you ask? What are you, what are you looking to get? I, I, I'm looking for people where they're confused, really. Uh, I don't have really many game designer friends, so most of them go in and like if there are areas where people are asking questions, they take note of that. Yeah. Um, because I'm just trying it out on some people who've never heard of role playing games before. So. And and, and are, are you looking for like conceptual feedback or like I don't understand what to do here? It, I guess it depends day to day or like test to test what my agenda is, but. General feedback, most certainly, yeah. because I, I think everybody's watching these projects. Like there are little children running around on a you know, playground, hoping they don't get hurt. <laughs> so you want to make sure that people like it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I use trading card games. So usually I start off by asking them if they're familiar with trading card games, yeah. uh, and if they are, that changes how you know I would explain my game. It makes it easier. It probably also helps you figure out how, how you want to write your instruction eventually. Some really good advice that I had gotten early on that I really appreciated um, was when playtesting, ask people um, where they're confused, but hold them back from trying to solve your design problems for you, um, which can be hellish. Uh, because and and. Everybody's coming from a really good place, but somebody will be able to say, like, oh, I can tell that this, you know, these turns took too long, or I can tell that this part was broken. What if? And, like, it's your job to do the what if in the wee hours of the night when you're miserable. Like, they're, they're not going to be able to solve those problems for you. So um, if you want that, that's great, but it's good to be clear. Um, like, do you want your friends to just tell you what's not working and what is, or do you actually want them to be collaborating in the design process? 
Which the answer is no. There's a group of friends of mine and I, we used to do this, uh, what we call play storming, because it's a ridiculously sounding name, and we enjoy ridiculously sounding names. But what we do is we get together with like a, a single, small little kernel of an idea for a game, and then we would do the bad habit that you were just talking about. We would uh, try to each start making the game as we were playing it. At offering input, and that's a different sort of process. It uh, it, it helped us tremendously. There's a couple games that we put out, um, and it's advanced what I've been doing uh, quite a bit. Uh, but it's not what you want if you already have a game that you're. you're it's it's like the early part. It's the uh, I just want to see where this goes, and um, and what we did when we did that is we would sit down and we would say, all right. Uh, I want to do a game about um, this dark, unquiet soul that's pouring chill wind down my back right now, whatever's going on back there. And uh, I don't know how to do this game. And you sit down with your friends. Uh, if I'm doing this game, I set myself up as the game bearer, and so I have this sort of authoritative final say over what ends up actually in the game, which frees people up to do whatever they want, and not have to fight and argue over what we as a group are going to decide what the actual thing is, because I'd be like, no, we're not. Let's move on. Uh, but the other part of that is uh, that collaboration that makes it work is the, you're doing it super fast. Like somebody's coming up with an idea, and we're playing it right then and there as the idea is happening, um, which allows us to then get the feedback and reject it as we go on. But it, it just... It's the exact opposite of what you're saying, but it's for a different situation. Because I, I think in almost all the other cases, I actually have trouble uh, working with people with playtests because I have that problem. I want to redesign the game. I want it to make it look like what I want out of the game. And it's quite often not at all what they want out of the game. And I, I, mean, I think one of my takeaways is when, when I'm doing something like that and somebody will be trying to solve the problem, first off, what's usually happening is they're... They, they're sort of trying to solve one little piece, and I'm watching that change cascade across the entire design, tear down things that are important to me, and so forth. Uh, people's ideas might be valuable ideas in um, in their own right, but you can always say that that's not what I'm doing. You go write that game, and that's actually really important for me. When um, I mean, when we sit down, I, I have an idea, and we sit down. And I say I want to try this, try these this dice mechanic. And I'm like, and I'm going. This doesn't feel right. Maybe I calculate this the probability is wrong or something. If somebody else is trying to solve it, they can be saying like, "All right, we should be doing with this, this with cards." Maybe they're right. Maybe they're wrong. But there's a good chance that changing from dice to cards will change everything about the process of play. So you can say that's interesting. I don't think that does what I want to do. But that, like, I'm rejecting that. And what I'm rejecting means is that's that's yours to play with. Um, you know, I, I'm the person, if I'm the game bearer in a, in a play strong sense, then it, my idea is the one that we're working on. If that doesn't work for me, like I said, say, that doesn't work for what I'm doing. Those ideas that you come up with that don't get picked up are, are, are yours as a, as a play tester. And I think it's a really good way, it's a good way at that squishy early level to say, I'm trying to do something, you're trying to help me. That doesn't mean that you're not a creative person doing creative things. Take those things and run with them. But it doesn't have to work for what I'm doing. Uh, what I'm doing right now. 
I mean, for me, it's really important to be able to divide up between an author and other contributors. You can see that in the structure of my design, uh, where I'll say, all right, you have creative control over this part, and you're responsible for the outcomes of that, however obvious that might be. Um, and I think the rules for, for collaborating with your friends kind of have to be like that, too, you say, who's, who is this benefiting? You're, you're not, if you don't want to do that, then, then, you're, not, then you're not helping, right? you're not trying. I think that gets to something I'm thinking about a different level of collaborating, whereas this is so where you're talking about I'm creating a thing and you're helping. Thank you. Yeah. But we are creating a thing, being a, a different level, uh, and wondering how to kind of manage the contribution there. Because if there's not the game bearer, if you know we're equal partners in this and you want to switch to cards and I just want to figure out the dice probability. Yeah. Uh, and how to manage sort of that. Well, we promised you there would be two tiers. Yeah. This is, this is, this is <laughs> a good transition. Yeah, yeah, this is when we get professional. So, so. Well, okay. Um, in, specifically in the play story, uh, we created two games that way, um, and then we attempted a third, which <coughs> crashed and burned in a very dramatic way. <laughs> um, and it, it's because it, what happened with the first two is that everyone was really on board for the initial premise, and we kept it down and tight, and, and we just got too far beyond in the third. I think so. Like this idea of like everyone coming together and they're they're doing the thing works really well for the I think for the like the the, the small tight stuff. You can actually pull that off without too many tears. Uh, but when uh, you, it gets um, it, it can get unwieldy at that point. Uh, but I think, and before we go into why all this is happening, I just wanted to like, I've seen it work successfully. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of it, you know, people are talking about specifics of like money and stuff. Um, some of it uh, is also just, I think, if you can establish goals early on, um, you know, like, really making sure everybody is clear about um, the creative role that they're playing in the project, um, which, you know, when you're all sort of responsible for the creative part together, that sounds a little bit weird, but if everybody has some sort of title that's slightly different, um, then I feel like it makes it less likely that toes are going to get stepped on. Um, and also just, you know, general stuff, like having regular meetings to check in that aren't design meetings, but that are sort of Meetings where you're like, is everybody still happy? Does everybody feel like somebody's pulling more weight? You know, does everybody still like feel like this is a project that they want to do? Um, sometimes I think what can happen when you're collaborating creatively is suddenly you check back in and you realize that the idea has gotten so far from what it was that you're not even interested in. It's just not a game that you want to play anymore. Um, so yeah, it sounds like we're sort of transitioning into the harder projects. Um. I think, yeah, the next harder part is you might not realize it, but the most important thing to have with your friends when you're collaborating is a contract. Um, if you're people who are just working together professionally, it's fine for me to say, all right, I owe you $1,500 at the beginning and $500 at the end, and I need you to do these things that I ask you to do, and they say, great, I'm going to do it, and then at the end of the final money, then we're done. When it's a friend saying, this is the very strict delineation for what I'm paying you for, um, 
And again, you'll notice I'm paying you for it. For me, it's really important when I work with somebody else, I say, all right, this is my project, I'm the publisher, I have top billing if I'm not doing top billing because it's my idea, it's not doing top billing. Um, uh, that means that I am taking all of the sort of, or at least a great deal of the reputation risk uh, on this. And that means that you, so I work with this guy named Soren. Soren and I have known each other for years. We're mutual fans uh, building Lego robots and posting on the internet. Um, he's much better than I am. Uh, so I hired him after we've been talking about science fiction and stuff. We have a lot of overlap in case. After knowing each other for a couple of years. And uh, when we work together, I say, this is how much money you're going to get. You're going to get zero dollars more. You're going to get zero dollars less. This is when you're going to get that money. You're going to, like, you're going to, I do almost everything through Kickstarter. So I say, at the close of the Kickstarter, you're going to get X dollars. Uh, when the project's finished, you will get that amount again. So I do basically half of the front, although it's not quite the front. I do half basically as soon as I can, and then another half um, uh, when the project's finished, and I say, you are going to write me stuff about this, you're going to design robots or spaceships, whatever it is that, that he needs to, that I need them to build, uh, you're going to do this many of them, um, we're going to communicate in this way. And that's been extremely, extremely important. Um, there's some squishier stuff. Uh, my collaborations with Vincent Baker are a little bit squishier, but I still, there's a point where I say, all right, in an email I say, this is my understanding of what we're doing. Let me know if that's your understanding too, which is a less formal way of putting something out of sign. Like, like I write an email, I say, I think this is what I'm doing. Am I forgetting anything? I probably am. And am I adding things where I'm stepping on your toes? And he's a really nice person. He doesn't want to tell me that I'm stepping on his toes, but he, but he will, which is great. So um, because we've come to realize that that's a really, really important way of uh, maintaining your friendship is by having a good contract. Because like, all of a sudden, at the end, it turns out there's thousands of dollars on the line. And, you know, I, I, would, I don't want to sell my friendship for seven thousand dollars. I know that was a lot of work um so I have uh, another thing along those lines um, when you think about yourself and what you're because uh, we talked about giving up the jobs a bit and some of the jobs can be boring or they may seem scary or whatever but uh, I, I ran into this problem uh, when um, I was like okay I just I'm just, I'm just the designer writer. I'm just going to write and design. You guys can do all the publishing and blah, blah, blah. And uh, when, I, when the game was finally out and published, I found that I had opinions about how it should be published. <laughs> and uh, I had uh, very strong feelings about it, and that became kind of a, a point of, deten uh, of um, contention. That's the word. Thank you. Point of detention. <laughs> Um, a point of contention in 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 that. Uh, so you kind of want to like pay attention to uh, when you're collaborating with people. Also, like who gets to say what when? Because sometimes you have to be kind of uh, agile about things. Like uh, you don't want to have to have a meeting every time um, it comes to deciding if you want to do a sale. Like if some uh, if, uh, uh, 
drive through RPG is like, oh, we're going to do a, a seasonal sale. Do you want to get involved on it? And you don't want to have to then, you want to have be able to say, yeah, no, we're good. Or, no, or have somebody who cares about that in charge of it and somebody who's going to make a decision. Uh, I'm diving into a really personal something. So what I'm saying is is, is that uh, don't, uh, don't, don't discount all the what may in the beginning seem like either high in the sky because you don't think you'll sell that many or whatever, or boring uh, sides of the, the business if you intend to sell the game and put it out there. Hey, actually, my 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 big takeaway is basically do as much stuff yourself as you can. That's a really neat thing about this time that we live in is that there are tools that you can use to design a book. There are tools that you can use to take credit cards. Like, theoretically, you should be able to do all of it. If, you, if you're not confident in your illustrations, hiring an illustrator is a relatively easy thing to do. But start off, especially if, this, if you're early in your publishing, start off doing just as much yourself as you possibly can. Um, right? and, and that means keep things sort of small and simple, which in and of itself is really, really valuable. Um, my first game was all me. It was this time it was a deck of cards and a little um, uh, little uh, uh, instruction book. I designed it by myself. My friends gave me input. I played with, uh, with some friends until I had some confidence in the idea, and then we talked about techniques that we could use um, to propel the ideas forward. Um, so I had help from friends in that early playtesting, talking to other designers kind of way. Uh, but then once it was time to actually hit the road, that, that was that was all me. And then later on, I mean, I, uh, in shock, I uh, somebody wrote the fiction at the beginning, and we didn't talk about how uh, that was going to get credited. And so I undercredited the guy who wrote the first thing that you read when you when you open the book. And it was, I didn't think of it until, let's see, that was 2006. And, like, last year he told me that he was kind of mad about it. And I'm like, oh, my God, I hadn't thought about that. It was it was just a complete, and that was seven years later, he's still kind of mad about it. And so, you know, I said I was sorry, but it just wasn't part of our contract. I hadn't thought about it. We hadn't thought about it. You know, we hadn't really written a contract to cover that stuff. So, and there's only one of those stories for in my history, because most of the time, I'm either writing very strict contracts or I'm working on things just by myself. You, you only talked about like Alan Raven and, and how that's structured for your collaboration. Yeah, sure, yeah. Um, um, yeah, I can talk about some of my own experiences with collaboration also. Um, I mean, I'm a big fan of collaborating. Um, and I also think um, maybe, I don't probably want to say I disagree with you, but I also think it's important to know your limitations. Like, we are not all artists. Um, and we are definitely not all editors. Um, so, you know, also, you know, things like Kickstarter give you the power now to budget in things like art or editing to make a better game. Um, that's sort of another topic of conversation, though. Um, so for my project for Crestlandia, I um, was working closely with somebody who I've known for years and years, um, and I was surprised that still like how emotional some of the collaboration stuff got. Um, 
when you're when you're starting to put something out into the world where people are talking about it and people are giving you money for it, um, it's just amazing how much that can really test your friendship with somebody um, or just your relationship with somebody. Um, so, I mean, my experience with collaboration was um, my friend Evan was doing the art for uh, the game, but then also was just like in our day-to-day -day working together, was doing a lot of game design, and at some point we had to sit down and say like, okay, are you just the artist now, or are you the co-designer? Because if you're the co-designer, I want you to get paid for your work, but like we need to be really clear. Um, so it got sort of, there were these moments of tension where we had to sit down as two people who have known each other forever um, and write out like a legally binding document and talk about percentages. Um, and I mean, it's also really tricky when you're doing your first project because I had no idea what, like, what the breakdown should be. Um, so what we did was, you know, he, the art, I knew he was going to do the art. So I paid him a, like a flat fee for the art and say like, which I think is generally good. If somebody's doing something for you where like their job is done, they've handed over art or a story, like you should pay them for it. You shouldn't make it a percentage of what you make on your project. Um, so he got a certain amount for the art and then we talked about sort of how we felt like we were splitting up the game design responsibilities and uh, I get a certain percentage of that and he gets a certain percentage from all sales of the book. Um, and we wrote one contract and then we scheduled a meeting to say like after the Kickstarter's over, let's have another meeting to make sure that those numbers still feel good. Uh, and we have a meeting about it scheduled every six months just based on how things are going just to check in again and to look at the contract. Uh, and we're, not, we're on our third one now. So, uh, and you're still friends? We're still friends, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so it's, even if you think that the contract might change or might not work, it's really important to have it, um, even if you're not sure if it's going to be right the first time. Um, you know, to even build into the contract, every six months we're going to talk about the contract and possibly renegotiate the contract. Um, so. I, I have a, I have an ongoing, uh, venture, it's a, Zine that I do, uh, that I've been doing for the past year now, a little, a uh, little bit called Rules Without Master. And I had a rule that I set up right at the very beginning when I did it, uh, that was nobody does anything for it for free that I paid. And that was one to establish what I could do in each issue because I didn't want to. But it, uh, it's been kind of astounding how often I have to remind everyone of that. Because <laughs> people will be like, I love it, I love it. And I'm like, I'm oh, great, that's great. And they're like, I want to do this for you. And I'm like, well, I don't have that in my budget. Well, I'll do it for free. Or uh, you mentioned my name here. And that uh, really muddies the waters for me. <laughs> like, I, I really need that to be able to say, uh, even if it, they're offering something that I really want to see happen uh, for this evening, I, I don't want... Um, uh, having that agreed upon exchange is so uh, as as much as young Eddie would shake his fist at old Eddie for saying that uh, this is something that capitalism might have gotten right. This is very like just being able to say that I owe you this many things for doing this um, really clears up uh, because when people start doing things for free, uh, there's a certain um, Ownership that comes attached to that, that uh, then over time you have to then either address or have a bunch of hard feelings about it not being addressed. So, 
people have questions? I would sure like to discuss some. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Josh. Um, if you have multiple creative collaborators on projects, like Hannah, for example, was with Evan, uh, did you have like a tacit like agreement beforehand that you were the design executor on on a decision? That I mean, I'm I would imagine that there were some design decisions that you could agree on and couldn't necessarily reach a consensus on. So how do you handle yeah. things like that? Um, we did not have those like sort of titles laid out before. Yeah. I mean, it, and it there there were points where it got sort of emotional because for a, like I had always thought of it as my game, um, but also as a creator, like I worry about whether my what I'm making is valid or good. Uh, so if my friends help out too much, I'm like, well, it's your game now. I did not. <laughs> so it's it's really important. I think it to try to, to know that those feelings are going to be there, um, but to sort of use professional language around it to be able to point to, you know, like, you know, I am the, you know, the lead designer on this game. And if somebody seems like they're simply doing 80% of the work, you can either say, okay, well, I don't want to be the lead designer anymore, or, okay, I'm the lead designer. Um, hey, step back. Um, so, yeah, things, things got a little dicey for us, uh, and I had to, like, we had to sit down and, you know, say, okay, who is the lead designer? Um, and I think I was telling you this story this morning, but the place where I, where I really realized it mattered um, was that we had decided to put both of our names on the cover without saying, like, who's the artist or who's the designer um, or who's the lead designer, and that the game ended up on a website where I was left off, um, like, he got credit and I didn't. And that was the moment where I was just like, oh no. <laughs> like, I was like, it really, I didn't realize how much it mattered to me for this to be my thing. Um, so. I was actually going to say, is that um, having those, those clear, because we, I, for some reason in our culture, we have, uh, right now in the little name subculture, we have a hard time seeing, uh, like, Indie games, we, we want to associate to a name. Like the names, the people, the creators that to end up being the brands quite often rather than, you know, this or that. And, and, uh, so then rather than like a company. Yeah, yeah, or, or, um, yeah, uh, or, you know, a group, a duo or something like that. And, uh, so it's really important to kind of, if you're going to work with someone to have, uh, crediting not, because of, um, well, basically because of feelings. Because <laughs> afterwards, people are going to feel like they, uh, one name is just going to come up uh, a lot more than the other. Or, or like you said, like some websites, they just only have room for one name, or they just, they're pulling it out of uh, PDF and they just grab the first name. Yeah, or something. And uh, I'm generating some sort of feedback, I think. Um, and, and then, that will shock you how much that's going to matter to you. And I mean, if you want to operate under a name like, you know, Googly Duo or something, and you're okay just being Googly Duo, that's that's great, um, but make sure that's really clear. And, it's okay. and, and I think it's a mistake to do that. I mean, I think that, that, that fundamentally we should be looking to each other as people first, not companies, and uh, not... But yeah? Like, 
Beatles, though? I mean, you know, there were guys that just said, hey, let's form a band, and you know, they didn't have to be. Well, later on, yes, they, they yeah. had to be. Right, right, right. Yeah, they, they, there were some issues with that, but I mean, yeah. like early on, there weren't those. There maybe weren't those issues. You know, they were the Beatles. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's a certain tradition to that all too, but um, let's also remember that that was in the world of uh, pop, rock, and roll, where in general, just like in comics and just like in games, it's to the benefit of the publisher to obscure the identities of the actual contributors, uh, because then the the brand to control is the Beatles, the brand to control is not George Harrison as an amazing lyricist, right? So <clears throat> we and like they, obviously that that worked okay for them for years, but then it didn't, right? right. Um, and honestly, I'm not sure using the Beatles as, as an example of how to retain your friendships after making credit <laughs> work is a great way to go. It lasted for a while. <laughs> it, did, it, it did, but I mean, but it was I mean it was extremely bitter after being incredibly incredibly successful. Um, they it, it all fell apart horribly, and um, I mean that. It's fair enough that that will happen, uh, but I, I mean, I, I, we we have to fight against that being the standard anyway. Like sometimes you'll say, the two of us or the three of us have designed this together, so we should say like we're this collective or whatever. But the thing is that when I go on to do my next thing, even if I help, I mean, you'll find me in the back of a lot of role playing games. I'm in a lot of acknowledgments and thanks. Um, some things that are really dissimilar from things that I do, even though somebody got some idea from something that I made. It's like Eclipse Space, which is totally not my kind of mechanical system. I'm credited in there. Um, like, I'm, I'm just, uh, I've been sort of a background contributor to a lot of things because I've got ideas and I like to talk to people about what they're making. I don't actually want a meaningful amount of credit with it for those things. I, I actually don't like the way Eclipse Space works. I wouldn't want more any more credit than than it's got. And it's only because they were inspired by something I made. We didn't know each other at the time. Um, I really think that and, and you, comics are the perfect example of this because it's been so incredibly abusive that um, the Kirby estate just managed to get credit for all the stuff that they, that, that Jack Kirby created, like Thor, like. It, it turns out there's a lot of money in Thor, and the Kirby's were getting literally zero dollars from that. And Jack Kirby's been dead for years, but his family was getting literally zero from that. And uh, there were a lot of people getting really rich off of something that he made. And part of the reason is that that was that was Thor, that was Marvel, that was Stan Lee. Then it was Jack Kirby, and the fact that he was down there is not just by accident, that's strategic. It means that somebody is benefiting from his work more than he is, which is, I mean, if we want to play full more capitalism, you can use your friends up, but if you actually want to be collaborators, and there's not enough friends, like at the scale that we operate at, there's not enough friends to, to use them up, like you can't, you can't salt the earth as you go. Um, uh, so I don't think that's a good idea. It's, I don't think it's a good model. And like I, I have a I have a press name because I want to be able to publish other people's things, which I do on occasion. Uh, but for the most part, my name is much bigger than the name of the press. And when there's somebody else working on it, their name is much bigger than the name of the press. I'm not. Um, I, I don't think there's anything uniquely wrong about this. Like, but Marvel Weiss Productions 
like we might know who Cam Banks is, but it says Munger Weiss Pro Productions on those books. And when you want to say, well, who made uh, Marvel Superheroes? Marvel Weiss, right? Yeah. Right. So you say who made Marvel Superheroes? You don't say Cam made it. You say Marvel Weiss Productions made it. The the company obscures that. And um, I think it's something that we we actually have an opportunity to fight against. And this comes up all the time. This comes up in punk scenes. This comes up like any time there are a bunch of people who are making things. You start off as a couple people are making things good, and then it turns out somebody comes in as a producer with a studio in whatever form, and they're they somehow wind up with the credit for producing that. We don't have to do that. Absolutely, absolutely. The, 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 the output of this thing, I, ideally, right, what you want when you're making collaboration is that the output is synergistically better than, than each of the inputs, right? Right? I mean, dollar-wise, right? If I do, if I, if I do $10 of work and Hannah does $10 of work and Epi does $10 of work and printing costs $10, we're not going to sell it for $40 because it's worth more than $40. It's worth maybe $50. And if each of us gets a dollar and then I get the rest, it's because uh, th that's working for me. And the thing is, they can get tired and stop collaborating. And we're talking about collaboration here. Like we're talking about doing this with your friend, right? What I'm doing there is using up my friends. Um, I, I feel like what, what's being said here actually isn't at odds. Um, like I, I think that it can sort of like interface with some of the stuff that's already been said, which is like when you work with friends, treat it like a professional collaboration. Yeah. You know, if you're working with an artist or, you know, somebody who has a story inside your book, be clear that your name's going to be on the cover. You know, like... Yeah. Yeah. Just, I, 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 really want to know I have a question, but I'll take it. Um, just that it sounds like you, Joshua, are raising above art and editing and other tasks that are associated with that. So because everybody agrees that you pay an artist and probably you're making more money off of what they make than what you're paying them, hopefully at the end. Yeah. Um, but but you feel different when it's designer. But my question is, um, crowdfunding, uh -huh. you mentioned uh, it's used in challenges. Yeah. I was curious if you're coming back about doing platforms and uh, sites that have worked or specifically with respect to collaboration. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So one of the the most fun thing about running a Kickstarter is it ends, and then I literally I sat down. Uh, let's see. I think that ended like April. Oh my! Right. It ended like April fifteenth. 
my money showed up from Amazon on like April 30th, and that day I sat, sat down and wrote $19,000 in checks to my friends. That's really fun. <laughs> That's really, really fun to do. And part of the reason was because they, uh, in two cases, they were um, uh, they were working on a percentage. The minimum percentage, if we just break any, broke even, would have been acceptable. Everything above that, we're all making more money. That was sort of sort of the, the, the model. Um, that it's really really satisfying to do that because you know that, that that's money that's going to something good because they're your friends. Otherwise, they wouldn't be your friends. Um, uh, which isn't to say. I mean, I've also hired people who I don't know very well, and I certainly know them better by the end of the project than you want to. Like illustrators, like a, there's a, a woman named Emily Benach who's one of my my character illustrators, um, and she's really good at what she does, and we don't live anywhere near each other, uh, but we certainly, like, I I come back to her and I recommend her to people, and sometimes we just, we just talk shit. Um, and, you know, I get to the end of the project, I get to write Emily a check, and we get to be better friends. And part of what's neat about this is there's none of this hazy, like, uh, you'll get paid when we get paid kind of thing. Um, I mean, in a sense, you get paid when we get paid because we get paid at the, the beginning of a project. Getting paid at the beginning of the project, either as a percentage of everything you're getting paid or in bulk, is uh, a really good way to maintain your goodwill. Like, you can only tell your friend when they get the next round that they can do that so many. They're only going to do that so many times before they're onto the fact that you're not you're not catching the next round. Because you're, they're your friend, they might be like, I know you lost your job, I don't want you paying for my beer. But there's going to come some point in that relationship where it has to be clear that you care as much about them as they care about you. In that case, it's with, it's with money. So the, the, doing it up front, I think, is really, really exciting. May I ask something? Is that actually the other question? Or is it directly? It's not directly. Okay. Um, I also want to mention with, with crowdfunding, uh, it takes like an immense amount of work to run a crowdfunding campaign. Uh, and when I worked with like my collab, my co-collaborator on Westlandia, we had a, a contract specifically for the Kickstarter um, because you're going to be putting, if you plan on crowdfunding, you're going to be putting hours and hours of work in a day to run that crowdfunding campaign, uh, which is really different than the work you're going to be doing later, which is maybe selling your game at conventions or answering an email once in a while. Um, so we had a contract for you know how how the Kickstarter work was going to break down, um, and this should go without saying, but like you can also log your hours. There's a lot of time tracking apps that cost like seven bucks. Uh, I use one called Office Time, and it's really great to be able to actually point to specific numbers to say like, oh, I worked for eight hours on this today, uh, and you worked on it for two. And to be able to say that with no hard feelings, but you know, to just point to the time that you actually both put in. We actually did that with a game that I collaborated on that I completely forgotten about until now, um, which you might want to look up. It's called Turn to France. You're pitching on cyclists. Um, and I was working on it with a programmer. I was doing the initial game design, and you're sort of the vision was somewhere between Galaga and bowling. Um, only you're pooping out the cyclists. Um, and it wound, up, it wound up being pretty good, but he wound up putting more hours into it than I did. And our takeaway was, this actually isn't worth it for us money-wise, because we were being honest with the number of hours that we were getting. And I was like, Jesus, I put in so many hours on this. 
I wound up being for like twenty five hundred bucks or something like that. Which was a flash game. In the flash game world, like selling a game for five thousand dollars is pretty good. But when you divide that in half, it was actually oh, it was twenty three hundred dollars because you use you did something more than I did. And basically, the idea was like the the way to game that is to do put more into the into the into your work on the game. But there's still the pie is still only so big. Um, so basically, what's happening is I'm competing with Dave over the project that we're working on. Uh, and we've, he's since gone on to work with J.J. Bond and other really interesting people. We haven't worked together since because I don't think we feel like we can make something that's good enough to make enough money to pay both of us. And I think you have to think about that <laughs> when you're collaborating professionally. I know. Yeah. Uh, so I, I have a question about just collaborating on projects, especially when there's no money in sight at the beginning. I think a lot of us are, you know, beginning level designers. Uh, when even establishing, you know, expectations up front, sometimes uh, whether people can help it or not, there is a time where they can't fulfill expectations, or it seems like they're not fulfilling expectations. What's the best way to approach something like that? Because obviously the friendship is paramount, but we have this professional relationship together, and there's no. If there's no money or anything, there's no way to determine the yeah. responsibility. Don't collaborate. Work on your own thing. Oh, well, um, that's, that's a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not going to be fun. Like, uh, there's no way to make that fun. I mean, like, say you roll 2d6 and add 3 to it and then make it a game, but it won't. It, like, uh, I've done this. You've done this? You've yeah, I've fired a friend. Oh, uh, there you yeah, go. let's hear about this. And you, you, know, you talk about contracts, put a kill fee in your contract. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's really common practice in the design world, but there's no reason you can't apply it to any other person that you're bringing on. It's when you say, yes, <laughs> yes, tell us your cost to be a murder. Yes. Uh, it's where, uh, let's say you have a designer doing layout on your book. Uh, usually you <coughs> that up to a number of paid seconds, like I'm going to show you a work sketch, then give you generally what it's going to look like, and then we're going to do a fine tuning. And at each of those points, if you're really unsatisfied, you pay a percentage of what the accepted end rate was and say that's it. Now, if you're going at these really early stages, you include a kill, uh, no money kill fee. It's just like, okay, it's not working out. You're on your own. You retain rights to whatever you, you know, however you want to break that up. Like I say, I. I'm in charge, I can say we're done. I'm referencing more a 50-50 collaboration where the idea of removing somebody from the project is ridiculous, but maybe there's a missed deadline and you don't want that to pile up into detachment from the project and eventual collapse. Like, we made the game, the game is here, and we made it through, but there were some tough moments where I didn't know emotionally how to approach it, and like there were clearly negative feelings on both sides where I feel like some sort of open communication or expectation setting could have avoided that. Yeah. It's just it was my first time doing it, both of our first time doing it, we didn't know how to do it. So yeah. I mean regular meetings are great for, you know, like I said earlier, separating sort of the design and creative meetings from like the check-in meetings. And it might sound like a little touchy feely, but to have, you know, these regular scheduled meetings um, that you treat as serious meetings where it's like, all right, let's check in. What work did you do this week? Did you still feel good about the division of labor? Talk about where we are emotionally. Sometimes stuff will come out that you don't even expect, you know. Somebody 
the guys or something. Well, I didn't mean. <laughs> no, I, I don't mean your companion dies. I mean, I mean oh, yeah. like something yeah. big happens in the person's life, and you know, they're half of the team. It's, yeah. it's like you work at a hundred person company, and fifty of the people don't show up because somebody died. Yeah, I mean, which actually happened to me. I mean, my my grandfather died like right in the middle of me sort of trying to think it was a good idea to uh, prep. To like organize a convention while also trying to get my role playing game out to the public, and so I ended up having to pass pretty much all of the work off, you know, on my partner for a few weeks. So it happens, and you know, in that case, we all had still good feelings about it. It's like somebody died, whatever. It's two weeks of extra work, but sometimes there's a lot on the line, and those two weeks are really, you know, that person can't take on those two weeks. And what do you do? And, and and it could very well be indicative of uh, a, a partnership that is going to work, uh, and and uh, recognizing that that was like a very important thing that I did early on was that I was like, <clears throat> no fault, it's just the way the chemistry between the two of us uh, comes up with ideas and then dies right after that. Like we can't bring it to the end, uh, so I'm just gonna go off and. Make these things over here. Need to collaborate with other people. So, like, and it's tough. It's not an easy thing. Uh, but you know, I, I don't. I don't think it's a good good setup for success. I think like I'm working on my thing. If you help me, you work on your thing. I'll help you. Is really reliable. Um, uh, because I mean, the, the, there's also. So, so reason, what you're saying is like. Uh, have somebody be the captain of every ship. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, there's, especially if you're in that early phase, like we're trying to make a thing work, sort of figure out what the process is, everything is designed. If there's a point where you're like, all right, I know what I need. I'm going to work on this by myself right now. Like you're not breaking up with your friend. They might be giving you unhelpful input, but whatever they put in, the, the stuff that they have ownership over, by the time they turn that into something that's done, it's not going to look like what you did. Like it's not like there's there's no intellectual property conflict there. There's no, um, uh, you might have people look at it and say these people are coming from the same creative community, but whatever. Like my games share characteristics with Epi's, even though we're sort of coming from a different place a lot of times, just because we talk about something and something that sort of rattles around my head. And oh, Epi does this thing with Dustin Scarlet, which is the best role playing game, period, <laughs> and you should all play it. I agree. <laughs> no, uh, wait, I had a comment before that. Never mind. Go on. Also, my comment is that we have three minutes left. Yeah. Okay. Any other questions? All the emotional turmoil mm-hmm. and collaboration. Yeah. Um, I was kind of thinking about during, like, you're getting to the tip, um, into the crowdfunding phase with that. And kind of like, what point do you start to figure out that that's separating into a whole other part of the game, like, because even if you're thinking start, like, we've started even thinking about that, we're still in the design process, mm-hmm. and we're starting to think ahead, like, getting into that portion, like, from both setting up for social media, getting, like, the, you know, like, we were talking about content, but now, like, everyone knows what you're saying about um, individual games and possible yeah. and what, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little amorphous, because there's so much, you know, the, all the planning that goes into running a crowdfunding campaign, and while you're also probably still designing your game simultaneously, is that, like that's everything I thought about was um, conventions then, because mm-hmm. like that, but yeah, you know, like 
you guys have input on where, like, from, like, okay, so, like, you know, if people are going, you know, you need people to run the scan, someone to talk about it, you know, and someone, you know, like, if we have someone to distract you down from that, like, you know, does that get factored in, you know, like, because that's at that point where that funding is pretty abstract in yeah. the future? Um, I, I know that with, con in regard to convention specifically, initially we had, like, done this ridiculous sort of percentage breakdown of like, okay, you're going, you're running the loop, and here's where the costs come from. Uh, and after doing one convention, the numbers that we were dealing with were so small. Um, and those numbers might be big, though, also, it's, it, which I think is something that's just really important to keep remembering is that, like, you know, we decided to rewrite the way we did it for conventions and to just say, like, I like to go to conventions, and he doesn't, so I'll always go to conventions, and that won't change our numbers. Like, conventions benefit me, and I enjoy them. Um, so, And so nobody will get more for going to a convention, and whatever the business costs are just come out of this shared business account. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, if, if you were to make a game that was suddenly a runaway success, like, you know, we dropped that because we didn't want to be splitting up dollar, you know, okay, here's eight dollars for you. Um, but if your game suddenly becomes a runaway success, those are, you're going to be dealing with a lot bigger numbers. Um, so I might have gone in a different direction than what you asked, but it's just, yeah, but, and as far as when, when the Kickstarter starts and when the other stuff ends, it's, it's sort of amorphous. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's tricky. Just keep having those conversations. You can avoid all of that by being somebody who's walking on it that your friends, like you know how much you're paying your friends. Like you say, right, when this is done, I'm giving you $500. When this is done, I'm giving you 2% of our total, whatever. Um, uh, the way I do convention stuff is I run the Indie Bazaar, and people who make games, make their own games, come and do that, and we divide our um, costs by gross profits because... I mean, I, I'm not necessarily paying for Epi to go, um, but I'm not paying for Epi's gas unless we're driving together. Uh, but <laughs> that's good. It's a fun joke. It's good. It's also new. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have any closing? I have a closing comment, which is don't forget to work by yourself. <laughs> Minus, don't be afraid of working with your friends. <laughs> <laughs> with a coffee. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.